Welcome to the Mindful Mutiny Podcast. I'm Jeremy Van Wert, CEO, therapist, and transformational coach, helping you get unstuck from burnout and stagnation. On the Mindful Mutiny Podcast, we thoroughly rebel against everything that keeps you from achieving your highest potential. Please don't forget to like and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. It really helps as we begin to grow a podcast and a brand and everything like that. Today, you are going to love the guest that we have. It's Carol Register. Now, Carol Register is a transformational coach, a lot like what I do. And her belief is that you matter, that you are valuable, and that with the right tools, you can accomplish anything in life that you want to, that you are not stuck regardless of any of the circumstances that are going on in your life. So Carol, uh, Carol Welcome to Mindful Mutiny. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. I'm super excited. Well, good. Well, uh, Carol Register is a transformational entrepreneur and leader who unlocked the path of her best life through a series of divine revelations. From overcoming self-imposed limitations, she embraced the role of a turtle, taking on the determined steps forward. Armed with neuroscience secrets, she rewired her brain, living a life of abundance and healing. As the creator of the Diamond Transformation, Carol combines neuroscience and wealth principles to guide leaders and entrepreneurs in restoring, rewiring, and renewing their lives. The disrupt a disruptor in the coaching industry, she taps into the power within, focusing on the subconscious to unlock individual success. Join Carol on a journey to break free from limiting beliefs and embrace the abundance meant for you. So that was a mouthful. Can you talk <laughs> a little bit about what you do? So I'm a neuro coach, among other things. I'm also a speaker and podcaster. And um, I'm multi-international. I have a um, serial entrepreneur. So really the neurocoaching is about using a neuroscience-based process to help you to tap in and work with the way your beautiful brain works because our brains are wired for safety, not for success. But we can train them just like we train our muscles, right? Um, if I never picked up a bag of groceries ever in my life, my muscles would go south for the winter. And some of them are, and, you know, we get to strengthen them and build them through resistance training. And basically we can train our minds to work with our beautiful brains in the way that they're wired so that we have the tools available to us we, that we want to build our reality, to manifest the lives that we really want. We're creating all the time, right? So, yeah. Well, so if if someone were to come to you, are they doing exercises on their own time and talking to you? Is that, is that what it is like? You, you know, in the Diamond Transformation Program, that is my highest level program. Yes, you we are going to go very deep. We're going to go deep on your identity because it really starts with the foundation of understanding who you are, because I I grew up like kind of with this vague idea of knowing who I was, but not really. Nobody really said, do you know who you are? And, you know, I would have, I would have been defined by all the things I was doing 
um, very performance-based acceptance, which is a huge part of our culture, our society. Um, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's always, if somebody wants to know how you are, that's the question. So being able to go back and, and look at my identity helped me to realize that I'm valuable. We're all valuable. And this is a huge part of what people get help, get need to get help with or want to get help with. This is the transformation that was in my life and is in my clients' lives because it's a foundation, right? It's a, it's a grounding and knowing that we're valuable and knowing that we matter and how important we are. So that's a big component of the Diamond Transformation Program. Then I do give you a very specific process. It's a four-step process where you can have actual measurable, tangible results on wanting to get from A to B. And you take these tools with you and you use them for life. So it's something that I still use in my own life every single day. Yeah. You know, that question, that question, who are you? That's a question that I ask of my own therapy clients. And it is a very, very difficult question to answer. And to be truthful, I have a hard time answering it for me because it changes from period of time to period of time in your life as you evolve, as things happen to you and your identity changes because of some new thing that's occurred in your life. And just when I feel like I know the answer to that for me, it changes the next year. Do you find that in people? Very much so. And, you know, going back to... There's a model that has been typical of have, do, be. I don't know if you've ever heard this or your listeners have, but it's this idea that we're given in various ways is that if I have things, I'll be able to do things and I'll be able to be somebody. And it's really reversing that in our lives to a be, do, have model so that we're grounded in who we are. From that, we're able to do amazing things and the have comes. Um, and that's part of the value we put out there in life, you know, is that having comes based on, you know, what the energy we're putting out there and who we think we are. So we're always evolving, right? We're always um, re changing, like you were asking about. And part of being able to manifest and create the reality we want is being the person that we need to be in order to have that. But one of the things that we can do is ask ourselves a series of quality questions. It's really a big part of our lives is dependent on the questions we ask ourselves. So the process I use is helping you to define things for yourself that you maybe have never defined before. Like, um, how do you define success? Have you ever thought about that? What are your values? What are your superpowers? What's important to you? Do you have a dream? And just going through a specific process 
of discovery of ourselves. And it gets exciting because we get to know ourselves and we get to be intimate with ourselves. And our intimacy with ourselves is a direct reflection with our intimacy with our money. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I really go into as well. And uh, so it gets to be exciting because you like, you go through this process and you're like, wow, I had no idea how amazing I am. I do matter. I am valuable. I'm important. And I've got a reason for being here that really counts. And it's always evolving. So, yeah. You, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the span of a lifetime and I'm thinking about all the stages that we go through as we evolve and we learn to be different versions of ourselves and our values change. And, you know, in the Western world, we live in a very, very tangible world. Western medicine is a very specific thing. When you're in pain, you take a Tylenol. When uh, you uh, don't like your job, you get a different job. And when people say, what do you do? You generally reply with the the job title that you occupy. And if you're a, you know, back in my day, if you were asked, who are you? And as a high schooler, you would say, I'm a prep, I'm a punk, I'm a grunge you know, yeah. that that's what I'm into. And so it's almost like as you get into your adult life that you, it's almost like you're trying to find a pocket to fit into. Yeah. Instead of the inner development of things. And so are you noticing through your, your work with people that people are really struggling with the skills of how to build themselves inside because they're trying on different jackets instead of actually yeah. building from inside? Yes, very much so. Very, very much so. And honestly, it's where I was as well in that, you know, growing up, um, like there's a statistic that is said that, you know, 90% of our limiting beliefs were wired in before the age of eight. We're in a, we're little sponges. We're absorbing everything. And Looking at my own childhood, I have amazing parents, but there was a lot of trauma. There were a lot of things that were going on in my childhood. And it's really something that a lot of us have experienced where we're getting this idea that everything is about the approval of others. It's all external. So we start to build in these beliefs that our value is based on what our family, what our school, what our job, what our work, what our church, what our um, neighborhood thinks of us. And we start to live our lives seeking everybody else's approval without seeking our own, without knowing who we are. We don't get a lot of that information as children growing up. Now, I'm excited to see a lot of that is changing. I think we're making huge headways with many people that are in the work that you and I do in education to help children to start to develop that internal sense, that confidence and that grounding and knowing about who we are. But here's the exciting thing. As adults, we can go through this process and we can rewire and reprogram our brains. So that's part of what I went through was 
reprogramming my brain to see that I didn't have to live everybody else's plans for my life. I could be grounded in my own heart, my own dreams, my own um, inner knowing, uh, my own inner power, so that I'm not constantly having to look and go, do you approve of this? Is this okay with you? Do you think this is good? But to trust myself and to move forward with what's in my heart. So that's that's a really great question. That's a big part of what I do. And yeah, I find that all the time, you know, that we don't know who to trust. We don't learn to trust ourselves. As, as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking about it in terms of groups that we join. And I'm just going to use a religion uh, as an example. Uh, a, let's just say a religion. We'll call it the the tree religion, what have you. And if it's a rigid, a rigid religion, and it is one that has a lot of rules and a lot of you get salvation by doing this thing, by following these rules, and then you are affirmed in the religion by the group, you're essentially making your identity fit with this thing. And it, you're wiring your brain for being a, a student, an adherent, an identity of the tree religion. And yeah. so the longer that you spend in that, the deeper that your identity gets in it, the harder it is for you to see the outside of it, for you yeah. to recognize your own inner value and to maybe eventually move away from it. And it may yeah. cause a crisis of identity. That's kind of like what I'm hearing from you. And on the other side, you have the identity that is built on personal values that yeah. is internally strong that's less likely to need a group to join yeah yeah you know it's amazing insight you have in the way that you um articulated that just now the way you communicated that because i grew up in that tree religion mm -hmm. and it was very structured and so I did grow up with wanting that approval. I grew up with performance, perfectionism, um, you know, and perfectionism, total recovering perfectionist, because this was something that was holding me back, keeping me stuck in so many different areas of my life, as well as my lack of self-belief. I... When I, when we go to talking about trust, I did not trust myself at all. And there were areas in my life when I look back that I see were crossroads of courage for me that I held back from. I stood on the sidelines. I didn't take the risk. It was fear-based and it was limiting. And so being able to do the neuroscience work that I do, use the neuroscience process to start to see this wiring, this internal wiring, and to know that with our beautiful neuroplasticity, Jeremy, we can change this. This is what's so exciting. We can change this. So going back to what you said in the very beginning, we don't have to live based on circumstances, situations, or conditions, as Mary Morrissey puts it, which I love. We we can literally start, we're, we're always creating our reality. 
right? We just don't realize it. And having the awareness that I'm creating a reality here and that I can change that reality has been huge for me, very huge, because I've been able to walk away from that room and put myself in the rooms that I want to be in and to put myself in community and connection with people where I'm influenced by them. Definitely love it. Learning, discovering, and I know who I am inside. And you can do that too. You can know who you are inside, um, listener. You know, I just want you to know that, that you have the power to change whatever situation you're in. You are not stuck. There are tools available to you for your healing, for creating the dreams that you have, for knowing who you are. I mean, this is what lights my fire. This is what I get so passionate about because I've experienced those transformations and my clients have as well. So yeah, it's been big to get out from under the tree religion. <laughs> well, it, it, using the tree religion as the example, I'm kind of thinking about the world as it sits right now and the high need that people seem to have right now to be a part of one group or another group and yeah. that these groups values re reach their tentacles inside the people that are underneath the umbrella and they adhere rigidly to a specific set of values or identities that are external they're not yeah. internal and yeah. so if if there's a greater and you talk about this neuroplasticity if there's a greater number of people who are retraining their brain to be authentically them, you see less conforming, less yeah. of the rigidity, less of the cruelty, and, yeah. and a higher vibration in the self that truly, and I, I talk about this with people, the, con the, the, the concept of being invincible. Yeah. When you are in total oneness with yourself, you're not afraid of job loss. You're not afraid of home loss. You're not afraid of relationship loss. You are in a state of knowing what you are and what you're capable of and where you're yeah. going and that you could do the same thing in a tent that you could do in a very nice home yes. uh, and build a new empire if you you want to and that's what you do you you help people with the entrepreneurship part and the mindset part of it yeah yeah it's one of the one of the things i love about working with people with the principles of wealth i teach and wealth building is um for one thing i mean you know it's really important that we be able to have connection have relationship we're all connected um, you know, we can look at epigenetics, we can look at quantum physics, we can look at current re, um, DNA research is telling us that across the entire human race, for all time, we are 99% the same DNA, we are only 1% different. So 1% that uniqueness, my, my business is success uniquely yours is that internal knowing that you have your own gifts and abilities and personality and perspective 
that is so powerful, so important, invincible, as you were saying. And, you know, being able to really change the way we're operating. And a huge part of it is our self-care. We we haven't been taught that it's okay to love ourselves and to care for ourselves. And when we do that, we take a step back, we're filled up, we're able to love others. That compassion and that kindness comes in. So many of the people that I work with and probably that you do too, are coming from a place of real emptiness, really not knowing. And, you know, um, there's all kinds of ways that we then try to fill these gaps and these holes rather than knowing that it is already there within us. We just need the tools to tap into it and to bring it out and to be able to really walk in that and experience it in a whole new way. And so, yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, there's so many different tangents to this. Like, I just feel like we could really jump off the board and go so deep here, but going back to the fact that we are valuable and one of the one of the things that I I love to use I got this from my mentor, um, is we don't look at a baby in a crib typically and go, sorry kids you're not valuable yet you're not doing anything, uh, you know, <laughs> and it may be our own child it may be a friend's child it may be a niece or nephew but typically when that baby arrives and you see that baby you instantly know that that human being is valuable right? It's just natural. It's precious. You want to cuddle that baby or you want to coo and talk to it and hold it because it's valuable. And then as we grow up, we get all these messages, layers and levels and levels of messages of how unvaluable we are. And we've got to do this and we need this and we've got to have this group's approval and we've got to meet this set of rules. And it's all lies. And then we're living under this system of illusion that's keeping us from holding back and really walking in how much we matter and who we are. And so, yeah, it's it's such a great question. I feel like I could talk on this for <laughs> for hours. <laughs> well, you had referenced your childhood and growing up. Where did all this start? You know, my parents were very young when they got married and they had me, um, they were 18 and 19 and I arrived and they went towards a tree religion that had a lot of structure in it, which makes a lot of sense. Because if you think about the rules that we learn when we're growing up, don't go out into the street, don't touch the hot stove, don't, you know, these are protection, their survival, their safety. And we need that structure in that time to have, to build the security that we need to, to feel safe in the world. Right. Um, so I really looking back, it is my belief that that that's why they went into this very structured tree religion was they, they were young and there was a lot they were dealing with, including some really serious 
health issues. And that provided them a sense of security. It provided them a box. And we often get into boxes because they make us feel safe, right? And outside the box is the unknown and our brains don't know what to do with that. That's unsafe, you know? And I teach, Jeremy, that, you know, if we look at all of our limiting beliefs, they go back to, am I loved and lovable? Am I worthy, which is enough, which is valuable, important? And am I safe? Are things certain, secure? Ah, I broke it now. Are things certain, secure? And, you know, can I, can I have any kind of sense of safety in the world. And we don't feel safe in the world right now. This is huge with everything that's going on. So back to my childhood, I grew up with that system of rules and it did provide certainty. It did provide a sense of security. If I match this performance level, everything's going to be okay. And I carried that forward in my life. You know, that was the perfectionism and the performance. If I, if I don't touch the hot stove, I'll be okay. If I, you know, do this, this, and this, I'll be okay. So that's what the tree religion was providing in my life. However, what I didn't realize at that time, which I know now because of the internal grounding is that we arrive learning through failure. It's the first attempt in learning. And we don't learn how to sit up or to crawl or to walk without falling down. It just doesn't happen that way. You don't just get up as a baby and start running, right? It's a process. It's a learning process. It's a discovery. And so then we go forward with these messages that if we just do it this way, everything will be okay. And we get them in school a ton, right? If you study hard, make good grades, everything in your life will be okay. You'll get the great job. Life will be wonderful. You'll be happy, right? And then we start to realize it doesn't happen that way. doesn't work that way. And, you know, we start to pull back from who we really are and what we have to offer ourselves and the world, ourselves, our relationships, our friendships, families, you know, to our neighborhoods, our communities, our regions, our states. It expands and it's really beautiful that we start with this idea that it has to be this way in order to get this. And it's not the truth. So learning to do it messy, learning that failure is a part of the process, learning that, like you said, you can lose it. You can lose the home. You can lose, you know, the health, you can lose the finances and everything is going to be okay. Is so powerful. There's so many different directions we can go here. I know, I know. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how simple the world is when you adhere to a specific identity. And I know through my life, I've adhered to a number of different hierarchical groups. And when you're in these groups, 
life is so much more clear. It's just, it's, it's an easier thing to live, but then yes, it's much harder when you leave that thing because you've depended upon that, whether it is a church, whether it is Harvard, whether it is, you name the thing that's on your sweatshirt that identifies you as a thing. And and you know you 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 live within that thing, but then um, it it it's it's actually much more beautiful when you develop yourself beyond the brand name, right. or the job, or the title, or the church, or the or the what have you, and that that's what you you have helped people do. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree that it's so important. Again, that goes back to identity, it goes back to separating ourselves from the importance. It goes back to taking risks, having courage. Um, I, the former, I mispronounced his name and I, I feel terrible about that, but he was the former CEO of Goldman Sachs. And I heard him speak in person and his name is actually Lloyd Blankfein. <laughs> um I put a reel out there where I totally butchered his name. Sorry, so sorry. But um, <laughs> what you said is what's important in this regard, in this context. He said the universe rewards risk takers. And being at the top levels of finance in the world, he can say that with certainty because he's seen it over and over. And when we're in the box, it's giving us our brains that safety. But the exciting thing is we can rewire for our success. So everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought, with the exception of nature. There isn't anything you can't think of that didn't start with a thought. And our thoughts and emotions fire within microseconds. So the the thought comes first the emotion fires within microseconds, those thoughts and emotions circulate in our brains and form our beliefs. And then we start to make decisions, take actions and get results from those beliefs, right? And so we don't recognize the power that we've been the good power that we've been gifted with. And we start to build these identities in the safety zone of the way our brain is wired. And we start to operate from that in our adult life. So just to give a really clear picture, it's, it's important that we understand that it's actually our subconscious and these beliefs that have been wired in, that's driving our ships, that's that's captaining the boat. And we're literally making also over 90% of our daily decisions from what's in our subconscious. We think it's the conscious mind. We think it's, okay, I'm going to decide this and take the action, when in reality, it's the things we're not even aware of that are causing us to take decisions and make decisions, take actions and receive results, right? It's our belief system. So what's exciting about what you and I get to do is that we get to help people know that those neural networks that are our subconscious system can 
be removed. You know, in science, it's a synaptic pruning. When an old network snaps away and you're wiring in a new network of, you know, kindness, gratitude, um, you know, the belief in your worthiness. And we're taking our brains out of the system of safety and survival into thriving. And that's where it gets so important and exciting because you can become creative and healing occurs in the creative side of the brain. So important to be able to, to, to move from your circumstance, have this belief system, start to see the things that come into your life from this, start to be in a thrive mode where you're living a life of love, joy, peace, abundance, protection. And I'm not saying it's Shangri-La or everybody would be standing at my door knocking down, you know, if it was, it's not that it's a system to deal with this earth school that we're in this life cycle that we're in with the obstacles that come along with other people's energy to be able to create our own and do it in a way that we desire that's important to us. I've experienced it in my own life. I know you've experienced it with your clients and the transformations they've had. And I've experienced it with my clients where they, um, instead of being filled with shame and guilt or an inability, a lack of capability to create something that they really want, they're now doing it. They've been able to remove that old neural network of shame and guilt, start to wire in a network of, of self-worth. Now, I just want to say one thing. We have a bazillion miles of neural networks. So why does this work? I could, I could spend a whole lifetime. How am I going to rewire all my neural networks? It's a compounding effect. Um, it's just like uh, Pareto principle or Pearson's law, where when you start to do the work, and Jeremy, you probably know the research around gratitude on this, um, it literally changes the structure and the function of your brain. It's like putting up a physical barrier in a wall inside of our brains from anxiety to gratitude, moving out of anxiety into gratitude. We can see this in the brain mapping. We can see this in the research and it takes time and it builds, but it absolutely is fabulous in that we know that it works and it changes lives. And that's the exciting part. Well, you're growing up and you're, you're a young person and you're in this environment. Sounds like it was a relatively religious environment. Yeah. What was it like for you? What, uh, when, when, when did you start kind of changing your mind or questioning things? What was it like? Well, you know, for when I was really young, like I mentioned, my parents were young and um, I felt like we were growing up together. Uh, and there were a lot of, a lot of health issues in my family, too many to go into here. They were in a state of trauma and survival for sure. And in that, because 
they were taking care of those things, I felt a lot of abandonment and rejection. And because of the tree religion, started to really think that if I just do X in the box, everything will be okay. But so what I began to find out though, through a lot of love and support, I did definitely have that, was that I could take risks. Now, as I moved forward in my life, I began to see these old survival patterns repeat and um, made some decisions in my life that were very unfortunate. And I really share a lot deeply when you're inside my program about my personal story in this way. But, um, you know, where I was attracting things to myself that weren't healthy and I was in a victim mode. And yes, we are genuinely victimized. Um, but I saw myself as powerless. I saw myself as weak and I wasn't following the rules good enough to experience the reward. And the reward wasn't coming. Uh, in fact, it was getting worse and worse. And so um, I lost my husband. He was a fabulous entrepreneur. We'd been together 30 years. I, right before he died, I moved to a foreign country and took over a business there that I'd never run before. It was in the hospitality industry. I had been a high-level gymnastics judge and clinician for many years and done other things, teaching. And so when I when that happened, I found myself alone in a foreign country, not knowing the language, not knowing the business, not knowing the culture, and you know, just being alone plus the grieving and having and I was going through menopause and having to figure it all out. And it was a steep learning curve. But what I know now, Jeremy, is it was so beneficial for me. It was so beneficial. Um, I wasn't powerless and I wasn't weak. And as I moved forward, I just put my head down and took step after step, started walking. As I moved forward, I began to realize that I had a vision that I was living everybody else's plan for my life. I was living um, the old owner's vision of this um, boutique hotel, restaurant, and coffee bar that I purchased and uh, living my husband and I's vision and, you know, to a certain degree, my parents and my family's vision. And I wasn't trusting myself. And I kept going, I've got this vision. Why is it blocked? Why is this not happening? And I had a self-awareness to realize that it was me in some way. It wasn't all these external things that I was thinking it was that I was, I had some things that opened up my insight and one was podcast. Um, it was a podcast with my mentor who is a PhD in neuropsychology. And she said, you know, you can remove your limiting beliefs and you can rewire your brain. And I went, wait, you can do what? S say that again. I, count, count me in. I'm in. <laughs> you know? I was like, and even then there was a lot of resistance to that. It took me four months before I went to work with her um, because I had a lot of back and forth and analysis, over analysis with myself. 
But that's when I started on the journey of learning the tools that I now teach to others that I now practice daily of creating my own reality and of healing and of being able to have an awareness of what's wired in there, what does have the tendency to want to keep me back in the safety zone, keep me stuck rather than moving forward in the unknown outside of the box of the reality that I'm desiring to create, getting to be that person now. So yeah, that's a big part of it. So I I don't want to gloss over this because you're in a foreign country your husband of 30 years passes away and it sounds like it was maybe a sudden thing yeah. uh and i cannot imagine the despair the grief the feeling of the world being against you and that there had to be some sort of i just need to sell everything out here get back home get a job with the federal government and get an apartment and start over that way but that's not what you did no there were a lot of there's a lot of background obviously behind that um i had absorbed a lot of his energy and uh, that's a big part of the story he had a much higher level of mental illness He'd been diagnosed with some than both of us realized. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I was willing to take the risks that I was willing to take were because he was brilliant. He had the most beautiful legal mind. He'd done amazing things in the entrepreneurship world, um, very highly successful performance-based, but was falling apart on the inside. And I was fighting for his life. And um, while loving him, admiring him, but also going through a shitload. <laughs> you don't mind me using that. And the so what happened in that process was that was my first immediate reaction was, oh shit, now what? Put your head down and go to work. And it wasn't even a, an ability at that point to reason well, to make good decisions. I was in high survival mode. And very, uh, you know, amygdala brain shut down and it was literally moment by moment. It was literally taking one step at a time going, this is what I've been given. Let me just take a step and figure it out. And there was, um, you know, that that's a process. It does take time. But I was able to be with people and get into good groups. So going back to what you were saying about community, there are very box-like communities. But when you start to have the story that you're valuable internally, you're valuable not based on what you do, just because of who you are and that you matter, and that you're doing then comes from that place, then you can be in groups that you decide are healthy for you and that are positive places with people who are in alignment with you. 
and you're getting to decide. You're not following a system without any filters, without a choice. And it starts with this right foundation of how much you matter, how important you are. So the group dynamic really changes in that case, because I'm a part of some communities now that are dynamic, they're thriving, they're up-leveling, they're doing great work in the world. That's what I want to be a part of, rather than in those groups that are trying to say, no, 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 you, you got to be over here in the box or you're not going to be okay. That's the safety brain, getting over into the uncomfortable survive um out of the survival and into the thrive brain right so yeah it was it was a matter of not even being able to make decisions at that point but really just putting my head down going okay what do I do now and one of the things that happens sometimes when we're grieving somebody very close to us is we can we we have physical manifestations and I would lose my breath I couldn't breathe I would just sit down and it would be like and somebody came along at every moment of the way I was given the information that I needed. Now that's divine to me. Every moment. So somebody came along and said, you're losing your breath because you're breathing. It's going to be okay. So when it would happen, I wouldn't panic. When it first started, I started to panic when it happened, which doesn't help anything. And it didn't bring my breath back. But I did begin to see the pattern was temporary. And that is such powerful knowledge to know that certain circumstances we're in are temporary and that they don't have to be what defines us, right? So um, literally just experiencing what I needed to experience at that point or um, was experiencing at that point was something that has helped me now because it built my confidence massively um, just by breaking things down into smaller and smaller bits where I was just literally putting my head down going, okay, we've got a house full of clients that need taken care of. I've got a whole team to run here. I've got to figure out the legal language of this country and speak to my clients and my team in this language was beneficial in that, I won't say ideal, but it was ideal for me, for my circumstance, because it, it helped me to be able to process the intense grief more slowly because I was focused on something and to build my confidence and start to see that, um, that I had this inner strength and inner knowing and empowerment that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. yeah. And, and just kind of going back from, from here, because you talked about gymnastics and all these other things that you've been involved in. You've, you've been involved through your life at a lot in a lot of high level things, uh, you know, I've and, been and like a cat. I've had nine lives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were, were you a gymnast? 
Um, I was. I was not uh, at the top levels that I went on to judge at, but my grandmother was, my cousin was, my sister was, and all three of my daughters were. So it's been a part of my family very, very much for many years. Um, so it was innate. It was just a natural knowing of, um, and, and then um, knowing of the sport. And then I'm also very much a science geek. So the physics of it, I really understood well. And um, the also the um, the application of the rules in that, it was very, very, you know, you you want to bring a consistent set of rules. And when you're out there on the floor judging, you want to give the athlete that's going at eight in the morning, the same attention. Um, I mean, the athlete that's going eight in the evening, the same attention that you're, you've given the athlete that's going eight in the morning. So it's, it's really about consistent application, which is huge in my business now and running an online coaching and um, podcast business. It's very much about consistent application, that system, that neuroscience-based process. So it's definitely the analytical part of my brain that loved doing that. I loved, because of being involved in the sport on a family level, I loved bringing a high level of professionalism. I loved um, looking at it through the lens of giving these athletes credit everywhere credit was due rather than looking at the lens of deduction, um, looking at composition and artistry and being able to do it quickly and consistently. Um, there were lots of checks and balances in there, tons of them, and that'd be a whole other show. Um, but yeah, there were so many beautiful things that I've been able to take from that and continue to use in the work I do now. Your work seems to be a culmination of all the different experiences that you've had in your life. And you've got a, a spirit. You've got a spirit that kind of like vibrates through that's um, it's it's so calming and it's so, you know, easy to listen to. And so, you know, when you're when when we're talking about the concept of like glowing in in your own spirit, the spirituality of 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 you, the importance of the spirit. For a person in terms of their their real sense of what they build inside as their identity and the spiritual component of it. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that kind of spirituality, the importance of, of why that is critical for a person in the development of who they are and the concept of what they are beyond our physical density? Yeah. Um, oh, I get so excited about this because, <laughs> well, you know, on the science side, we know so much from the quantum physics world, quantum mechanics, we are energy. We, you know, this was a key component of what Einstein taught. So besides being in the tree religion, one of the gifts that that did give me was I have always had a relationship with God. He's God to me, um, the divine you know, the universe source, he is source to me. And that relationship goes deep. So 
the exciting thing about it is that I've been able to connect with different belief systems, different people all over the world because I, and all in all different kinds of, you know, belief systems because of knowing that we're all connected and knowing that we are, we're not, um, what's, I'm trying to think of the reverse. We're spiritual beings in physical bodies. We're not physical beings with a spirit. We're actually spiritual beings. We're energy. And even these physical bodies that we have are a type of energy that's moving. That's what Einstein taught us. Mass is moving energy. So um, when you think about being able to connect to your spirit, this is the cool thing I love about neuroscience because we hear all the time about the thinking aspect and the brain, but neuroscience is a study of the whole nervous system. And it's not just neuroplasticity. We're interconnected. It's cellular plasticity. It's our subconscious going throughout of our, throughout our body. So how do I tie this in? It's that, um, we're integrated beings. And I love the quote by uh, JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. He said, a rising tide raises all boats. So you think about the tide coming in, you think about the boats being on the water. It's not just raising one of those boats, all the boats are rising with that tide. And the reason that's important is because when you go to work on your internal self, when you invest in yourself, you start to pay attention to that self-care and your identity, then you really start to elevate in all areas of your life, including, you know, where I work with people in, in uh, being happy and heart-centered with their wealth, in relationships, in health, in transformation in every area. Let me tie this back. The reason that it's important to know that we are doing this integrated work is it absolutely includes our spirit, our soul, our heart. So when I talk to you about your belief system, remember it's thought plus emotion. It's, it's connecting with the soul. <laughs> it's connecting with the heart and that spiritual relationship is a huge part of how you're going to have a foundation of identity. I believe that I was brought to this earth for a reason with special gifts and talents, that I have a purpose and mission for being here. And that is a part of my identity. That's a part of who I believe that I am and why I'm here to bring you these gifts and to help you know that there are tools and, um, you know, abilities available to you to create the reality that you are meant to create for yourself and not just the one that everybody's been throwing you all your life. So, yeah, that's, that's a huge part of it. What I find with a lot of people, 
is that they spend their lives working so hard. You go through school, you get your diplomas, you do all of that, you get into the workforce, you have two weeks a year to go and be yourself. Usually one of those weeks is spent in a staycation thing where you stay home and you do all of the yard work that has been stacking up on you. And then the one week people tend to go out and do something incredible. And it's usually some sort of five-star vacation in Cancun or something like that, where it's kind of all inclusive. And what people tend to do is go a little nuts during that one week where they're like, oh my goodness, look at all of this that I'm missing. I prayed for the first time. I meditated on the beach. I watched the sunrise. I I came home with this whole new concept of what is important to me. And what I work with people on is that you're actually spiritually impoverished when that happens. And it's because you recognize, you break out of the matrix when you go on that vacation and you see the sunrise that really you could be watching every single morning. It rises over your house too. Yeah. And and you 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 have the same spirit in your in your body that you have when you go to work. But there's something about the life that you have chosen to live yeah. that has turned things rather gray that 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 the feeling of the sand between your toes has awakened for that one week a year yeah. and then you come back to work with maybe you got a little uh, a palm tree on your desk now but then that spirit kind of goes to sleep again because of the monotony and the daily grind of things so the teaching of that daily discipline of checking in with your spirit, of reading something renewing to you, of meditating to the point where you're so into it that it's not just that you start meditating and you fall asleep in three minutes because you're so exhausted. It's that you are actually growing and checking in with your spirit that when you go on vacation that you don't feel like you're you're half losing your mind because yeah. you're missing something in your life so yeah. much so you know are are do you see that same sort of thing and and what do you suggest as a regular practice for people yeah it's um man it, there's you know there's the aspect of one of the one of my own limiting beliefs that I've dealt with, as this is common with high achievers and leaders, and is like I said, the perfectionism overcommitment. So I could go in the direction of looking at the way we look at time. This is something that I do teach within my program and our concepts of time and working with rewiring, wiring in those habits that we want, those disciplines. But really, what is so important here as far as a tip for you listener is that our brains are not only wired for safety rather than success they're also interestingly enough wired for reward and if you have gotten used to being on the busy bus where you're, it's, it's a form of brain safety. It's not really taking you to where you want to go. It's just keeping you moving in the doing zone. 
then you may really be neglecting the celebration of life. And so a part of celebrating life for me is the gratitude and the prayer and the meditation um, and what I teach my clients, because it's not just those big Cancun vacation celebrations. It's also the interplay of life. What are you doing to play in your life, to bring in fun and joy? Where are you doing the micro and the mini celebrations? Because we're always looking to reward. So as you and I know, one of the things that happens when we're in pain, big, big part of our lives is looking to um, escape pain. And when we're filling in the gaps of our pain with unhealthy habits, whether it be alcohol or whether it be sugar or, you know, uh, sitting in front of the uh, console every evening, binging Netflix, it's we're looking at ways to escape rather than rewarding and starting to activate our brains to see the joy of life and the celebration of life. And so coming at it from having a daily celebration makes it fun and makes it something that we want to look forward to. Our brains like those rewards. And I invite you to sit down and write out 50 ways that you can reward yourself with only yourself in five minutes or less. And it could be self-care, you know, it may be getting on the yoga mat and stretching. It may be grabbing a hot tea and standing and looking at that sunrise or sunset out the window. Um, but it, it kind of unlocks the brain to start to see that instead of going goal next goal, Next, being busy, we can pause and we can enjoy life. Yeah. So I'm coming from the perspective of having the ADHD brain. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about goal next, goal next, that's kind of how my hamster wheel brain tends to work. And Same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it can be really difficult because... Uh, to be productive, my yeah. life tends to be a checklist and I can be highly productive because of that. Yeah. But you lose a great deal of the being in the now because yeah. you're always time traveling into yeah. the future. And in the evening, if I'm working late, meaning I'm seeing clients up until like 8 p.m., yeah. I cannot turn my brain off. Yeah. I can't, I can't calm yeah. down. I'm up for a while. Yeah. And so I guess the question for you is that ADHD brain that is moving so quickly, needing lots of stimuli, jumping to the next Tarzan, you know, rope. Yes. What, what is your suggestion for calming that down and, and kind of retraining some of the, the, the way that hunting brain works? Oh yeah, I love this because um definitely can relate as and and the way it happens for me is my brain spins. Spin, 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 spin. So there are absolutely wonderful tools 
um, as you know, to stop the spin. And when your brain is overactivated and very stimulated, like being at the end of the day, it does take time to calm down. But there are wonderful tools now that we are very well aware of that can help reset the nervous system, which resets the brain. And having tools that are pattern interruption based tools are so powerful. And I know you do this work. I know, you know, um, sometimes it's, it, it's true though, that as, um, therapists, coaches, mentors, we have our own blind spots and I absolutely have my own coaches and mentors because I need these reminders and this help. Um, that I provide to others, but you know, there's simple things you can do to pattern interrupt breathing exercises, um, getting up and excusing yourself and going to the bathroom. If you're with people is a wonderful way to then just practice a breathing exercise along the way that will literally reset your nervous system. And a couple of them that I really enjoy is one of them is um, breathing in for a count of four and then breathing out like you're blowing out a candle all the way down to your hip bones. You know, it's like one, two, three, four, whoosh. You can make a sound. You don't have to make a sound, but blow out that candle and blow it out all the way down through your hip bones. Do that three times, a minimum of three times. And that helps to start to regulate the nervous system. Second breathing exercise that you can do is called box breathing, where you breathe in for four, one, two, three, four, hold for four, three, four. Breathe out for four, three, four, hold for four, three, three, four. So you're kind of counting to yourself in your head, one, two, three, four. And um, I had eye surgery uh, that um, it was a complicated cataract removal surgery in June. And um, I'm awake on the table and I'm hearing my very calm and fabulous doctor speak in hushed, stressed tones. So I know that things are unusual and can feel the panic rising up in myself. And um, I'm like, oh my goodness, lay still, you know, (laughs) Um, box breathing, just went to the box breathing. And it was enormously helpful to keep me calm in that situation while at the same time regulating my thoughts because I have those tools and I was able to do that to say, what if everything works out wonderfully? What if everything works out better than I could ask or imagine? You know, starting to use the tools that I have to get through that situation. So that's an example of where you can apply it anywhere that it can help you to regulate your system. What's a time in your life when you've struggled to be able to use these tools? I know you talked about the death of your husband and everything like that. There have been times in your life where you've really struggled with how to handle your your own emotions, something that was big and and something that, that you eventually overcame, but have a perspective on it now. Yeah, I love that. I think 
It's interesting for my own life and my own pattern, seeing the quality of emotional maturity and an emotional quotient rather than just an intelligence quotient um, has built over time. And it's built through gobs of failure because you, when you're in a very high stress situation and your brain's in survive, you're going automatically to the emotion. That's where I was. And how to regulate that, how to calm that down was in using these tools and these practices. And um, I love the work of tapping. Tapping is well-researched and it's great to use as a pattern interrupt, you know, where you can just start to um, have a method like the breathing to slow yourself down. Now, uh, you, I know you're familiar with dissociation. Sometimes we literally leave our bodies mentally and need grounding techniques. Those are also great. So what I like to share is in these very high stressed situations is to have a toolbox of pattern interrupters that you can take with you and carry with you to get you into the calm state. Now, your situation may not be where you're losing your temper or you're, you know, something very emotional it can also be the disassociation. It can also be numbing out. You know, we're, we, we talk about, um, that your brain goes into either fight, goes into flight, it goes into freezing and it goes into fawning, um, fawning being, something that I like to define as you're seeking peace and approval under anything. You're the peacekeeper and you'll do, you'll compromise yourself, your standards, your values, everything, just to find a way to keep the peace in that situation. And so I know that's a lot in answering the question about emotions, but what I want you to know is that you can build a toolbox, work with somebody, work with somebody like Jeremy, work with somebody like me, where you build yourself a toolbox of pattern interrupters to help calm your system and get you back over to the th thrive brain as quickly as possible. And it can be almost instantaneous. And that's the really beautiful part. In your in your life, as you've um, you know you've you've kind of gone through it, you you have you left the tree religion that your parents uh, were a part of. Yeah, did you find it hard to walk away from that? Yeah, uh, very hard. It was um, leaving community. It was leaving um, relationships. Not I never made that willing choice to leave a relationship, um, but others made that choice to not be in relationship with me because of the choices I was making and being okay with that, um, being okay with um, setting appropriate boundaries and limits. If it's not a hell yes, then sometimes it gets to be a hell no. And, um, you know, look, starting to look at what made my heart leap um, 
And that's a part of us creating our reality, right? Is being able to know when and where we get to walk away from situations that are not healthy for us. And it can be lifestyle, it can be relationships, it can be communities, it can be environments that we're removing ourselves from with the purpose of being in that reality that we're desiring to live and create. For me, it was a reality of love, joy, peace, abundance, um, kindness, um, you know, intimacy, um, the in positive intimacy with myself and with others, up leveling. So again, taking ourselves through a process to define things for ourselves and to know that this is what's important to me. You can do that so you know what's important to you. And then when the situation arises, you build that into your subconscious. So that's what you default to. And you put yourself in those places that you want to be in. Now, it's not always perfect. Of course it's not, but um, it's definitely changed my life for the better. So. In the past five years, our civilization has undergone a magnificent change. I'm not sure the magnificent is the right word, but gigantic <laughs> change. And yeah. this change has been one of watching institutions deteriorate, watching the world as we thought that we knew it to be almost melt. Yeah. The way that wealth is accumulated, the way that wealth is passed down, the way that yeah. our institutions behave, the way that our societal contract is pulled together, what our employers actually are. The, mm -hmm. There's 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 a state of everything being revealed, if you will. You, if yeah. you will. We're seeing things a bit more clearly. And when I say that, it's become more ugly. Everything yeah. around us is ugly. And yeah. um, we're many people are deciding not to go back to work for these corporations. And what I'm seeing these corporations do is go, well, we, we're, we're going to get everything back into the office and people are going to want to come back to work. And I'm thinking, well, people are not going to want to come back to work. Yeah. Have you considered not sucking as an employer? <laughs> and um, so these, these, Things that we've all grown up knowing, yeah. you know, the generation before me that wanted to go to work for an entity, work there for 30 years, get a watch and retire. Yes. That's yeah. melted away. And I, I think yeah. what it's done is destabilized what people expect out of their, their experience in yes. this civilization and people are grasping at trying to figure out who they are and what yeah. the world around them actually is. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people yeah. really struggling with recalibrating things. And a lot yeah. of what people are doing is trying to just grab onto the world of 2018. Yes. And, and pretend that this is them. Yeah. And, and people right. are getting it. And and yeah. some people are, and those people are really elevating and other people just aren't. Are you, are you kind of seeing that same sort of thing? Definitely. And, um, but for me, instead of the word ugly, I see it as messy and that messy is okay. And a part of that 
you know, there's, there's different ways that lenses that we can look through. One is obviously from the neuroscience perspective, we don't default to change. We default to safety. Safety is staying in the familiar and the change is unfamiliar. It's uncomfortable. We're not getting the same kind of brain reward. So part of what I teach is how to reward our brains through celebration. That's one of the ways when we're in the discomfort zone of change. And you may, I think it was Carol Dweck's book years ago on being open versus fixed and where we kind of default, but in reality, we all kind of default to staying in safety and the familiar, even when it's faulty. Um, it's one of the reasons that abused women stay in abusive relationships for years instead of getting out because their brain sees that as safe. It's rewarding them with neurochemicals to stay in a bad situation because it's familiar. And the brain's always working to protect this automated system we have. Without it, we'd be a disaster, right? So what we have to know is that it's going to default to protecting the faulty. Um, if we can help get that information out there and help people to understand that in order for good things to happen, the messy change has to happen. And it is uncertain. And it is scary, but you can start to, again, have a belief system where you're creating a reality that you desire beyond your thought situation condition, right? And when you have that knowledge, when you start to receive it from whoever, whomever voice you start to receive it, it's empowering. It's knowing, oh, okay, it looks scary, it looks crazy, but I actually have real power and control here. I actually have ability to make this discomfort zone, this messiness into something that I desire. And yeah, it feels uncomfortable. And yeah, the fear comes up, but the fear is no longer in the driver's seat. Fear's over here and you're able to reward yourself for stepping into the unknown. And so that to me is a huge part of your question. And then I, I want to say a second component that I think is very important as well is that so much of what we've known across the world for millennia has been this top-down authority structure. And for me, because of what I had been through, stepping into my own personal power was huge. But you have to define things because I find that many people view power as a bad thing, as a negative thing, as a control and a domineering over others. And so many of our institutions and structures from corporations, employers, businesses, military, schools, you know, whatever it is, have been this top down structure where somebody's up here and everybody else is following underneath to what I've seen in play and what I'm excited about is much more of a collective 
collaborative wisdom coming into play where people are, you know, open and receptive to each other. And I think as employers, if we embrace that collective wisdom and we move in the direction of that, we're going to start to see businesses that really are thriving in this new environment that are able to move forward and grow in ways that old institutions with that old structure are not, are not going to be able to. Yeah, it's, it, it seems to be that the, the people who are thinking outside of the materialist structure that we've all kind of come to see as the the king of all uh ideas in the west are the ones that are adapting uh better and i think that we're seeing the the rise of you know the this kind of psychedelic renaissance as we're saying yeah. because it is non-materialist it is jumping outside of familiar lines of thinking like much like what you do and helping people grasp onto new and more elevated ways of thinking, retrained yeah. neural pathways and yeah. new ways of seeing the value intrinsic in every single individual and the, the value that, that a person has not only for their own experience, but for the benefit of the people around them. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I'm seeing those people, those businesses beginning to thrive. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. The the way leadership was in the past, if you're think about how much wisdom and knowledge may have been lost along the way. I I one of the things that's really moving to me in my background was I knew a man who was an amazing, most incredible artist. But he had been taught that there was no money in art, that he had to go get a job. And that, so he became a furniture repair, a color specialist and big department stores and boutique shops and individual clients would hire him to repair their furniture. Um, meanwhile, he has all these drawings sitting over here on the side. that are just unbelievable. But he had been given this message that who he was, what he was gifted with, didn't matter, wasn't important, and wasn't possible. And so when tying this into where there's been a lot of this top-down, it's been a situation where things being competitive things being, you know, constantly very masculine energy in many cases, very driven to a point energy um, has, has let a lot of talent go to waste a lot of, and that's where that collective wisdom, like if you're a leader and you're looking at your team and you're finding out that somebody's working for you with this incredible artistic ability and you can then start to have as a part of your organization and your structure, a building up of your individual team and their gifts so that they can go and flourish. 
how expansive is that? It's not a vicious cycle. It's a victorious cycle. It's not throwing a pebble on the pond with the ripples being negative. It's throwing a pebble on the pond with the ripples going out being positive and everybody elevating, right? So yeah, I think it's a lot's been lost by us not embracing um, the gifts and the belief that we're each valuable, we each matter, and that it's not just to feed a machine. It's not just to, um, you know, and that's one of the unfortunate sides of what's happened, what I've seen in corporate, where it's just everything's about the vision of the corporation and not about the visions that um, could elevate the whole corporation by being included within the structure of the corporation. How do people get in touch with you? <laughs> um, reach me on, uh, definitely on IG DMs. I'm at NeuroCoach, Carol, N-E-U-R-O, like neuroscience, NeuroCoach, Carol, um, at, and that's on IG. And you can also, I think you can look me up as Carol Register there. Um, I'm also on Facebook and, you know, I have in IG a free wealth activation for you. It's a mini course. Uh, jump in and grab that. And when you get that, there will also be buttons if you want to uh, have a connection call with me, if you want to get on and talk about anything or learn more about what I do. And Jeremy, right now I have a special going. Um, it's $21 full payment, three month private podcast. You get it in 10 minutes a day, Monday through Friday. It's teaching you the principles of wealth that I teach that used to be the stuff that was in inner circles. Now it's available to all of us, but there's over 20 and these are the ones that I actually use and teach within my diamond transformation program. And it's just a really simple way for you to get inspired, start to know how the wealthy think and operate and have real actual principles that you can start to apply right now to increase your income and build your wealth. So yeah, that's going on. And you can find that link um, in my bio at Instagram, uh, along with the wealth activation. So thank Wonderful. you very much for having me. Carol, thank you so much for being on to be able to have a conversation that's this high level about the things that people are going through, things our world is going through and the, the manner of thinking that's going to help people thrive in a very different time than any of us have ever lived in. And so yeah. thank you for coming on and sharing. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. Ah. It's really, I just enjoy it so much. So yeah, let's keep going with that mutiny on our mindsets. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much. And for all of you out there that are listening, please make sure to like and subscribe to Mindful Mutiny. Go and check out Carol Register and the amazing work that she is doing to help people. Now, in your lives, as you're going through and doing the things that you're doing, make sure to take care of yourselves. Do that box breathing that Carol was talking about earlier. And as you're, you're going through your, your world in your day, do something every day that enriches you. Get some exercise. Get out, listen to the birds mm -hmm. sing. 
And thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mutiny podcast. Now go be something great.